Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. We doing okay? All right, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure we're doing all right. Well, if I haven't met you, my name's uh, Pastor Matt. I'm the local missions and youth pastor here, and it is a, an honor and a blessing to be, uh, be uh, giving the word, uh, doing the sermon today. And so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me uh, to Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six. And um, as you're turning there, um, August is a big month uh, for, for families, for churches, for uh, just the average uh, John and Jane Doe getting back to the routine of not having the summer schedule. And, you know, for me being in ministry, um, I've seen the trend where August gets so filled up that we kind of uh, get distracted, we get disoriented with the busyness of schedules, we get um, we get perplexed at all the things that are happening that we kind of lose focus and we lose what's going on and lose, possibly, we lose focus on the importance of the basics of the Christian life. You know, there's a lot of amazing things happening at New Hope, like Pastor Chuck said. I agree with him, amen? Like, there's a lot of amazing things happening in the life of this church. But... There's the key word there, but let us not get mixed up and let's not lose focus of why we do what we do. We do all that we do to honor, to glorify the king above all kings, the name above all names, Jesus Christ. And so what we need to do as a reminder in this season of being very busy, um, students going back to school, f- uh, families uh, being um, wondering why they have to get up at now like 5 a.m. to get their ch- children ready for school, um, moms and dads, you're looking at your vacation time and you probably used an extra week of vacation that you were not planning on using this last summer, um, and then churches, again, were super busy. So this is why I believe today it's important as we are in this season, this busy season of August, looking ahead to the next nine months or so of the school year, it's important as a church, as a community, to get back to the basics of the Christian life. And not only do I think this, but there was a song, if I can, uh, rewind all the way back to 1992. All right, I know that was a few years ago. Sadly, um, it, it proves that I, being born in 91 and now over 30, which is sad, but we're not going to talk about that, okay? Because this is a good Sunday. All right, so this band uh, was called For Him, and they came out uh, with a song called Basics of Life, okay? And here, I'm just going to read this because this was 30 years ago. And uh, so see if there's some correlation with what we're going to be talking about today. It says this, we need to get back to the basics of life, a heart that is pure and a love that is blind, a faith that is fervently grounded in Christ, the hope that endures for all times. These are the basics. We need to get back to the basics of the Christian life. And then moving down, it says, but I, but I still believe in the old rugged cross. I still believe there's hope for the lost, and I know the rock of all ages will stand through the changes 
of time. Church, just as much as it is true then, it's true now, we have to prioritize what are the basics of the Christian life. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, they are going to help us answer those questions. And so uh, let me go ahead and read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll uh, dissect what the Word says. Let me read. It says this in verse 1, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's sons by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word as it, as it speaks truth to us. It pierces like a double-edged sword the very uh, person that we are, the being that we are, so that you, Holy Spirit, can convict, lead, assure, and guide us in the life that you uh, have promised for us. God, we pray that as we understand what this text says today, that it will not be something that we just flippantly read and, and seek out, and, but it will be something that we will apply it to our everyday lives, that we will come to an understanding that, that these, as, as Moses was talking to the people of Israelites about this basic of the Christian life for them, that we will look at it the same way today for our lives. So God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, will move in our church, move in our community, and as a, as a whole, we will get back to the basics of the Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, to give you some context before we dive into the, the, the text today, um, you know, we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is in, uh, it's the last book of the, what's called uh, the Pentateuch, the law. That's what uh, Hebrews call this. And Deuteronomy, it means second law. It means repetition of the law. Moses, he is writing to a group of people who are about, on the, they're on the cusp of entering in to the land that was promised to them so many years before. He's about to, uh, they are about to enter into this land flowing with milk and honey, fulfilling the promises that God gave to Abraham. This is a big moment. Moses is saying, uh, this is what I want you to do. And this, is what, and this is how I want you to do it. But why, come the question, the question is, why do they need, or we need today, this repetition of the law? 
Why is, why is Moses giving this second law to us? Well, if I can, help us to, to remember the situation here. Remember in the wilderness the people's fears, which leads to failure to trust God. And as a result, they, they rebel against God's plan for them as they were uh, to enter into the land uh, that he promised to them. God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He gave them the, the law at Mount Horeb, or more appropriately, Mount Sinai. He brought them swiftly uh, across the borders in, uh, to the promised land. And when they sin, and then he sends, uh, sends spies out, 12 of them uh, c- uh, come back, and, and two of them only are assured that they can do what it is that God wants them to do. And what happens is uh, the Israelites, they grow in fear and trembling, and they get scared in their rebellion to trust God more because even Moses is like, no, God will fight for us. It, their fear leads to a severe punishment. This people that Moses is talking, that it's ahead of them, they weren't around for this. But the people behind Moses that aren't allowed to enter into this promised land, they know all too well what Moses is talking about. Because of their disobedience, even Moses' disobedience at a different time, they're not allowed to enter the promised land. And so the word that we're about to uncover today, it is a a warning as a a dad tells a son, please do better than I did when I was your age. This is the plea that Moses is giving to his his beloved people, God's chosen people. And he's saying to them, don't do as we have done, do better, (laughs) And so if I could have you look in verse 32 of chapter 5, it says, You shall be, Moses says this, you, the Israelites, you shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or uh, the right hand or to the left hand. The Hebrew word for turn here means to depart, to eschew, to turn off. Moses is saying before we even get to chapter 6, he is saying to them, do not depart the words of God. Do not eschew what he is saying. Distort the words that God is giving to you. Do not turn them off. The relationship that you have with God and he has with you is not a light switch where you get to go on and off, on and off. And he is making sure that, they, that he has their full attention. And so in verses, uh, verses 1 and 2, it, it highlights that God has commanded uh, Moses to teach uh, the Israelites these commands. And they have a responsibility in, when they hear these commands that this is our first point today. In verse 2, it says that you may fear the Lord your God. Verse 2 reminds us of the fear of the Lord that the Israelites are supposed to have in God. Now, I'm going to ask a question. Um, in, uh, in discipling people, how often when you disciple people, do you ask, well, how's your fear of the Lord going? Not very often. It's something, in my opinion, today's church doesn't really highlight the fear of the Lord. However, there's some juxtaposition when we, when we don't want to talk about the fear of the Lord, but then it's the very first thing Moses talks about. He says, fear the Lord. He uses this Hebrew word, uh, yare, which means to have reverence for, to stand in awe of, to have honor 
and dignity and respect for, the fear of, the, of, of God that he is calling them to have, it should propel them into further love, further adoration for who he is. Throughout scripture, we, we read about different components of what fear of the Lord might look like. And, and throughout scripture, it's actually characterized as something that is of a good character quality. Right in, in Job 1.1, it says, Job was a blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. Psalm 31.19 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Proverbs 9.10, the Bible uses another Hebrew word for fear, which is uh, yurah, which means to actually be scared, to have a trembling for, an actual terror of. And it says, the fear, yurah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, the end of all matters is this, to fear God and to obey his commandments. Later on, Jesus will highlight the, the importance um, in talking to his disciples of, of this idea of fear in Matthew 10, 28. It says, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The fear of the Lord that we should have is something that needs to be highlighted in our everyday walk with him. Dr. Stephen Lawson is one of my favorite pastors. He says this, we all come with a reverential submission to God, but we grow in the fear of God throughout the entirety of our Christian life. We never outgrow fearing God. We grow to worship, adore, love him more and more in our sanctification process. And then the end is above all else to fear God. So what does this look like for us? What does this look like in a practical sense? Well, um, one of my favorite movies, I love movies, by the way, if you didn't know, um, so much that Charlie is actually named after a movie character. Um, that's a fun fact for you about my family. Um, Kara still does not want to own that up, but we're working on it. But anyways, um, I love the Lord of the Rings. Okay, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, I was an extra bad student in, in, in school, um, and Lord of the Rings was really the only books that I actually read and enjoyed reading. Um, and that's okay. We'll, we're working on it. Um, just kidding. I don't read still. It's, it's kind of bad. But anyways, and so um, in the Lord of the Rings, and I also love the movies of the Lord of the Rings, and the extended edition, it is significant significantly better, just saying. But anyways, in the, the first Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, there's, a, there's two characters, um, uh, Bilbo and Gandalf, okay? Bilbo is a little, uh, little hobbit, kind of meaningless, but he has possession of a pretty significant ring, okay? And he's about to go on an adventure in which he gives everything to his nephew, Frodo. He gives everything, even this very special, powerful ring, he gives everything to Frodo. Now, Bilbo and Gandalf, uh, they're talking. And Gandalf, he's this wizard. Like, you don't mess with Gandalf. Like, if you mess with Gandalf, you talk with him, you show Gandalf the, the respect that he deserves. All right? And, and, and Bilbo is about to leave. 
And Gandalf reminds him, hey, Bilbo, you forgot something very important to give to me, to give to your nephew. And it's that ring, that very special, powerful ring. And Bilbo, he, he gets all pompous and arrogant and prideful, and he starts yelling at Gandalf and getting up in Gandalf's face, and how dare you this, and how dare you that. And, and then finally, after hearing all of this, Gandalf has had enough. And Gandalf, he steps in, he asserts his dominance, he asserts his superiority over Bilbo, and he says, how dare you do this? How dare you talk to me this way? How dare you show me that kind of respect? And he, submit, and he gives this <laughs> domineering figure over Bilbo because he has that authority. He has that right. He has earned that place. Now, Bilbo, he understands at that moment he's wrong. He understands that, oh my goodness, who did I just mess up with? And I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. And he's fearful in that, that minute, that moment and instead of, instead of running away, instead of cowering down and hiding, he does something very perplexing. He runs into the loving arms of his dear friend, Gandalf. Now, I want you to do a favor for me. Save your emails and your text messages to Pastor Dave. I'm not comparing Gandalf and God. Okay, I'm not doing that. All right, just making sure you're aware with that. But how often do we do those things with God? We, we come to God prideful, pompous, like we know it all. Like, how dare you, God, tell me what to do? How dare you accuse me of this when I'm not this and you actually are that? And how, like, we get all arrogant. We try to justify all the things that we're doing that it's against the covenant that God has made with us. And we, we have this kind of characteristic that we know it all. And God, at the right time, God steps in and he says, how dare you talk to me like that? I'm the holy, sovereign creator out of everything. I sent angels in the Old Testament to wipe out entire nations. The one stroke of my finger is the morning star or the morning sky that you are blessed to see. I can go like this and you would die. How dare you talk to me this way? And at that moment, folks, we need to understand that's the fear that we, an appropriate fear of the Lord that we are called to have in our relationship with God. And when in that moment, and in that moment, we have to run to the loving arms of God. Because just as much as God is holy, he is, he is holy, he is sovereign, he is separate from his creation. That's because he is perfect in all his ways and, and in his characteristics. But he always has arms stretched out, ready for us to be comforted by him but it's still understanding who he is. And so, just as much as we, or just as much as Moses is telling the Israelites, prioritize the fear of the Lord, we too are to know the fear of the Lord and to know it well. And so moving on to verse uh, three and four, it talks about uh, hearing the word, hearing what God has to say to us. It says, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. Jumping to verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, again, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You know, this Hebrew word for hear, it, it's kind of a big deal. Um, and this is the, kind of the bulk of the text today. Like, if you forget everything else, remember this. 
This Hebrew word is Shema. Now, if you do a word study, which probably none of you will, but I'll let you know, if you, if you were to do a word study, um, Shema is a very popular word in the Old Testament. It's used over a thousand times in the Old Testament. And it's one of those words where it has, in, in Hebrew, it, it has, obviously, it's one word, but it has two meanings for us. Um, in Hebrew, they didn't have a separate Hebrew word for obey. And so they smashed this Hebrew word, Shema, to be listen, obey, hear, do. It is one word with two meanings. So like I mentioned Charlie uh, just a few moments ago, Charlie's one of those kids of mine where, and we, you probably have, have those kids currently or had those kids in your house when they were kids. Charlie's one of those kids of mine that I have to really try my hardest to get her attention when I need her to do something, all right? And, okay, so I grab Charlie's face. Not, this is not a joke. I grab her face like this. Her ears are in between my fingers right here. I grab her by the face. I'm say, I say, Charlie Jane, put your shoes away. Charlie Jane, go get dressed. Charlie Jane, brush your teeth. <laughs> And then the way I know that she has heard me is uh, when she says, yes, sir. Like, that's a big thing in our house. Like, yes, ma'am, when mom says do something. Yes, sir, when dad says do something. Okay. And so the only way I can know that she has actually heard what I just said was if I grab her by the face and I tell her what to do. And Kara's laughing because she knows it's true. And it happens about five times a day. But anyways, <laughs> Moses, he's, <laughs> Moses, when he says Shema, He's grabbing the Israelites by the face, and he's saying, Hear, O Israel, do these things. Be careful to do them, that it may go what? It may go what with you? Well with you. He's saying, if you listen and obey the commands in which I'm doing, and I, or which I have given to you, he's saying they will be a benefit for you. They will be a blessing for you. That is a huge thing. For the people of Israel, when they do the commands well, all throughout the history of the Israelites, when they do the commands well, they are blessed. And just as much as it is for them, it's for us as well. We follow God's commands because it's a blessing to follow his commands because he knows more than what we know. It's not like God is going to make them do something and then not bless them for it. He has his best interest for them. And he says, hear Shema, do them well. Be careful to do them well. And then he, he moves on and he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He wants them to Shema, to, to act and to do like the Lord is one. And this is a huge thing for the Israelites because they're about to enter into the land of the Canaanites. And, and the, uh, the land of the Canaanites, it's, not, it's, it's, it's very different, needless to say. The Bible characterized them as adulterous and immoral because they practiced polytheism, the worship of multiple gods. The Canaanite religion precedes uh, Judaism, which is um, the monotheistic, the one true God religion. 
Moses is reminding them that, hey, my children, if you get your eyes off of me, if you get distracted by different things, by different worldviews and different religions like the Canaanites have, if you do those things, it's not going to be a blessing for you. And so because of that, I want you to shema, I want you to hear, act, I want you to listen, obey, like the Lord your God is one. And I love what Pastor Philip said in the end of his prayer time as we were about to enter into today's sermon. In James 1.22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Church, we have a great responsibility. We have a great responsibility to, to hear God and to do what he says. In verses 5 and 6, Moses uses this, uh, verses 5 and 6, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You know, in Hebrew culture, the heart was generally associated um, with, with mind and soul and emotions and innermost being. And so when it concludes with saying might, it's actually a description of how they are actually supposed to love their God, the one true God. And in this Hebrew word, it means exceedingly great. It means very, very much. And so church, as we enter into a season of a lot of amazing changes here at New Hope, we need to shema God. We need to shema him a little bit better. As I just said in James 1.22, we can't just sit on the, uh, we can't just sit, be idle, come to church on a Sunday morning or go to a belong group after church, be comfortable in our air-conditioned rooms, leave the church, and then come back next Sunday and do the same thing over again. We can't do that. God has called you, our church, me, to do something better and to be proactive in our faith. We listen, we listen to so many different things in our lives, whether it's TV shows, podcasts, um, the news, which you probably just should turn off anyways. We listen to all these different things. And when we listen to all these different things, God just becomes something else that we listen to. God is not just another TV program. This is the holy sovereign God who's speaking to you through the work of the Holy Spirit. When he tells you to do something, you just don't say, yes, sir. You, you actually do it. In church, there's so many people that are wasting their lives that are not doing the very thing that God is calling them to do. Stop sitting there and stop hearing what God says. That's okay, but don't forget to actually do what he's telling you to do. Shema, the holy sovereign God. He's calling you to be on mission with him. So hear, Shema, what God has to say for you and in your life. Moving on, it says in, in, in verse 7, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. <clears throat> As I said uh, last night, uh, this is actually my favorite part <clears throat> of the sermon, okay? Because... I, I, I'm taking my glasses off because I can't see far away, but I can see really close. And <clears throat> I just want to make sure that it says, yep, it does, it does. Verse 7, it says you, okay, you shall teach 
them diligently, meaning your kids. Notice, notice how it doesn't say pastor, coach, school teacher, principal, guidance counselor. It doesn't say youth pastor, associate pastor. It doesn't say senior pastor. It says you, the parent. You teach them. And here's the thing. With all due respect, I've been in, I've been in youth ministry a long enough times, a long enough years where this is a big frustration of mine. That people, sure, they'll take advantage of the church, they'll pass their kid off into kids' church, VBS, Awana, take them to youth group. Last time I checked, though, youth group's only two hours a week. Church, if you have, a, if you have kids in your home, you are the main spiritual contributor of their life, not me. You cannot point the finger when your kid is in your 30s and say, well, pastor failed me. No, you need to own that. You need to own that. And when you do own that, there's a few beautiful things that can happen. There's a few beautiful things that can happen. One, you can admit, humbly come before the Lord and say, I've failed my kids, but God, you're bigger than my failures. And know what you need to do. You need to start getting on your knees until your knees bleed, giving your exhortations to God, saying, God, work a miracle within my kid's life. That is, that is how you can continue to teach your grown kids well. Because your grown kids, guess what? They still need you. My mom and dad, they're, they're <laughs> in their late 50s now. Newsflash, I still need my mom and dad. Okay. And your kids, if your kids are my age, they still need your guidance, they still need your wisdom, and they still need you to do your God-given authority and teach them the ways of the Lord. So don't give up is what I'm saying. So teach them diligently to your children, and, and, shall, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Guys, it's a beautiful, it's a, this is a blessing. Moses is saying, hey, when you, in your family dynamic, when you have a God-honoring mom, a God-honoring dad, and they are pursuing each other as they're pursuing Christ, when this happens, you're going to be blessed to know that um, you're going to talk about God and your whole family dynamic. When you're sitting at the table, you're going to talk about God. When you're, when you're uh, going down to bed, you're going to have family devotions. When you leave for work, you're going to pray before you do that and kiss your kids on your head saying, I love you. God does too. Listen to mom. <laughs> and sometimes they do. Okay, so like, I, I can't make my kids listen when I'm not there, so that's fine. But anyways, talk about God in all components of your life. That is how you teach your kids well. And then in verse 8, it says, you shall, verse 8 and 9, you shall bind them as frontlets or as, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, um, modern day Hebrews, um, they will use these things called phylacteries and mezuzahs. And we have pictures up here. This is a mezuzah. Okay, and the next one is a uh, phylactery, all right? You will see modern-day Jews, they'll, they'll have the scriptures, what we're reading today, um, put on these things, and they will take this into a literal sense. 
They will identify themselves as Jews by putting these things on their doorposts or putting things around their arms or their forearms and on their foreheads. Now, now we look at this and it's and it's not it's not silly. I think it's actually kind of interesting, but we look at this as something that highlights their identity is to the Jewish culture. And, and what we understand, this again, we, let's not get distracted. This isn't a different point. This is still relating to teaching. Within your house, you need to teach your family that you are different from the world outside of it. And these are reminders to your family. These are reminders to, uh, the, to the world that these people are different. And for us today, I'm not saying go get a leather strap and, and a box and put a phylactery on your forearm and on your head. I'm not saying to do those things, but I am saying that it's, this is a conviction and a challenge that the world outside of these walls, they need to identify you as something different than the world itself. And we, church, we have a great responsibility in how we live and how we uh, uh, act to proclaim the name that is above all names. We have that responsibility. We need to identify ourselves not in a, obviously not in a, in a pompous and arrogant and weird way, but we need to identify ourselves that we are different from the world. We are different from the world, and not only are we different from the world, but we're teaching our children to be different from the world. That is, and again, this is your responsibility, and again, yes, to me and my, my five, almost six kids, this is my and Kara's responsibility as well. So I'm in this with you. So, church, we have a lot to do to get back to the basics of the Christian life. And as a reminder, if you go to the next slide, these are it, like what we talked about, fearing the Lord, hearing Shema, hearing, doing from the Lord, and teaching about the Lord. And so, church, I invite us, I invite you and I invite me, to get back to the basics of the Christian life. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, God, that we can get back to the basics of the Christian life, that we can understand that we have such a great responsibility here in our lives and in the future to come. So God, let us take these things serious. Let us fear you. Let us uh, shema, hear from you clearer. And God, let us be faithful teachers of your word. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for your love and help us to love you and others more today. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.